Welcome to a new episode of NY Jets Fans with host Davin Kyle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Jets Fans Podcast as we come to y'all with a new episode. I know it's in the middle of the next playoff game and the crowds, the crowd is going wild. You know, shout out to the next. Also, shout out to uh, Kyle's Phoenix Suns for being in the playoffs <laughs> as well. So I don't want to, you know, look out, you know, you know, not even look out, but um, lose, basically just like say, hold up, you know, the Knicks. What, what about my son? So, <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to both teams. I know it's a, it's a New York market, so I understand, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But now, now let's get into some uh, some New York Jets. Um, Woody Johnson yesterday said uh, that the fans in the stadium will be back at 100% capacity. Um, and even Roger Goodell said hopefully all stadiums will be packed this season, which is kind of crazy from, from last season where we barely had any fans. Um why why what what makes Woody Johnson wants the fans back at a at a hundred percent? Yeah, I would say at this point, you know, they took a really big, you know, financial hit last year. So um as at the end of the day, it's a business and they're they they need to look to make their revenue. Um as of right now, I, I heard that um they reported that I think over I think it's like fifty they said fifty-six percent of of americans from the age of 12 and up are have at least got one uh vaccination shot so um with that being said i can see by the time the the season starts that number being more so you know to the maybe low to to mid 80s so that would definitely you know have people probably feeling a lot more comfortable about being in uh, venues of that size. So I, I think that's part of the catalyst, you know, just seeing how the vaccinations are going and, you know, also knowing, like I've, I also saw that uh, the NFL is supposed to be relaxing certain, um, certain rules um, for vaccinated uh, teams and staff. So I think once you know, those numbers start reaching, you know, like I said, maybe low 80s to, to mid 80s by the time uh, the season starts. It makes perfect sense to have, you know, 100% capacity at that point, you know, but at the same time, you know, maybe proceed with caution, you know, still wear your mask and, you know, try to distance, you know, not really social distance, but, you know, just be mindful of just your activities at that point. Yeah, and you know, as I'm as I'm watching the net game, I see the crowd. I see half of them with masks on, and I see half of them without masks on. So maybe they doing that for um, the fans too that gets to come to the games. Basically saying, okay, if you if you got if you want your mask off, show us the proof that you got vaccinated and and you fully vaccinated. So maybe that will come into play too. But maybe some of the fans just play it safe and put the mask on. So. We we could we could see that you know, and this is the new normal. But at the same time, you know, we we had basically I think football season basically had had was the only sport that had the real successful season during the pandemic. So it's 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 good to see that we're coming we're coming back to some type of a normal. It's still it's still not a normal yet, but you yeah. know, but it's still a new normal. Yep. Yeah. So. You know that's about it, but um, let's let's move along. The uh, 
earlier, the Jets have signed a defensive a defensive coordinator from the Dolphins, um, Matt Burke, to be the game. Um, what what is he? The game coordinator, yeah, something like that. Yeah, the time yeah. management coordinator. Yeah, time management coordinator. Um, why 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 is it important to get to get to get a guy um a guy like that? Um. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you. Like, I'm not sure with teams like when they when they go down that route to right. to get people for like those specific type roles. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, Robert Sala is gonna want have his hand uh, more in to the defensive, uh, you know, defensive game planning and game calling. So he might want someone to take over that position, you know, just to be the, the time management portion of the head coach responsibilities. So I can see that, you know, and then from my understanding, he had a short stint with, um, you know, working with the Eagles when uh, Joe Douglas was there. So that might also, you know, come into play as to why he got brought over. I think, I think what makes the I think what makes the positive thing is that he has been in the league for 15 years. So yeah. so to have to have that guy, that veteran guy that did the defensive coordinator that that you know that's been there with teams like for Joe Douglas and you know for the Dolphins, um, it, it will help out a lot. So you know I I just I just see a lot of I could basically see a lot of change. I know the OTAs, um, the actual OTAs started. So I, I just I'm 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 hoping that <laughs> that soon we get to get to know more and hear a lot more about these Jets players because you know this is this is very exciting for us to have that new change and you know not hear the Jets name as much you know not even being the uh, the clowns you know the clowns <laughs> of the class so <laughs> so it's it's very it's very awesome you know so Definitely. yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. So let's let's go into some NFL topics. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers comments. Um he talked talked about it's not about the teammates, it's not about it's not it's not about the coaches, it's all about it basically at the end of it, it sounds like it's all about the GM and the and the management. Um yeah. how 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 is that playing a part in, in, in Aaron Rodgers sitting out right now in OTAs, sitting out of OTAs? Yeah, that's it. I I think at this point, Rogers is just done with the whole situation, and you know, with the fact that you know they they drafted Jordan Love, you know, but it's it's funny, you know, I guess to look back on history because at one point Aaron Rodgers was the Jordan Love, you know, because they had Favre, um, you know, who was you know probably the the franchise guy for Green Bay since ever, you know what I mean. And they draft Rogers first round, and you know Rogers sit for a minute. But the year that he ends up leaving, and end up going to the Jets for them to start Rogers, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had a 13 and three season that the the year before he left. So it's funny that it's literally almost a similar situation where Rogers comes out. You know they draft a quarterback. Rogers comes out. He balls out. They go 13 and three. He wins MVP. And, you know, they're sitting there with 
Jordan Love, like, um, you know, I, as if they, that's where, you know, their future is. And Rogers is like, well, what about my, you know, uh, my performance? Like, how are you just looking at this young kid when, you know, I just had the season that I had. So like I said, it's just interesting to see how that whole situation comes full circle. But I said, at this point, I just think Rogers is probably done. And I said, with sports being the way it is, like, I don't see, like, unless Rogers really wants to play, you know, him coming back to, to Green Bay, I, I really think at this point is probably going to be with another team if Green Bay decides to, you know, to trade him. And if not, you know, and he decides to sit, like, he's, Rogers had a hell of a run, you know, he's been one of, you know, arguably probably one of the top five uh, quarterbacks in terms of just skill set and accolades and stuff that we've seen in quite some time. So um, as I said, it's, it's all on Rogers' shoes that, I mean, in, in Rogers' plate right now, you know, he's pretty much calling the shots and as I said, I, I don't see him, I don't see him staying. So, or wow. I don't see him playing anymore. I should say, at least with green Bay. Wow. Um, I, I <laughs> just, just, just for what I, just for what I see, um, for what, for what I read on the article too, was that if basically the Ravens didn't draft it, uh, Bateman, that the Packers was going to draft him that just that because I guess the Packers GM and the, um, the Ravens GM are, are good friends. Right. And, and the Ravens GM knew that the Packers GM liked Bateman and he wanted him. And that would have been an extra weapon for, for Rogers. Um, but all in all, in general, uh, Rogers did one of some changes that the NFL owners was like, no, <laughs> basically with no OTAs, none of that stuff. Like, let's get into the season. We saw what happened last season when it wasn't no preseason games and no OTAs, not really no OTAs, nothing like that. Right. Like, it was a lot of injuries. A lot of star players was was gone. And the NFL changed. And I don't right. think – and I don't think – from an NFL uh, on the standpoint, they want to lose any money because that that the star players is is where the revenue was at. Exactly. So if you lose a star player, <laughs> you know the fans is going to be like, "Well, I could just stay at home, or maybe I could tailgate." <laughs> right. So you know, so yeah. I, no, go right ahead, Kyle. No, I say no. It's just I was just going to say, it's definitely an impact. You know, when you have those guys you know, those marquee guys that's not playing, you know, and even in the league, if you think about it, they made changes specifically for that, you know, by changing the um, the IR rules and how many, I think, how many practice squad guys you can have, like, they made changes specifically for the fact that, you know, what was going on with, you know, injuries and OTAs and stuff like that, so they they understand what the impact is if they have to make changes, so yeah. I, I can see, you know, where Rogers was was talking about. Yeah, so it, it's 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 just crazy. I think at the end of it, I think just in my opinion, Rogers probably would have left it alone. Not even with not even with you know with the with the Jordan Love draft pick. I think if the GMs or the management would be like, you know, this is our guy. So yeah, we you know, whether they got a no or a yes or a no, if they would have stood up and said, well, we don't need it. You see, you see our guy, Rogers. You so you see what he does, you know, like 
Like, basically, just making it seem like he's important to that team. I think I think Rodgers probably would have left it alone, but maybe Rodgers just don't feel important to that team right now. Even right. if even if LaFleur and the guys are just like, we need him, we want him, how long is you going to get that from? How long is you going to get that from Rodgers? Like, right. in all honesty, how, how long is you going to get that? Because after after maybe a couple of seasons that's it so it's it's just crazy i i hope i hope they they work something out i hope they work something out because they need them <laughs> and without them we're, we're going to see a, a really dramatic change <laughs> but i think also what what helps i guess roger's case in terms of him still saying that there's value in him outside of you know winning mvp last year is you know, Brady winning at 43. So, you know, with most of these people, it's like, you know, you would think, oh, once you hit a certain age, especially, you know, this day and age, like 40, you know, your football career is pretty much done. But, you know, Tom Brady showed that you can, you can still win at that age, you know, and definitely Aaron Rodgers had the skill set to, uh, to, um, you know, take a team, you know, to, at least very at the very least of the playoffs, you know, so that kind of like helps him in his, you know, in his stance of saying, you know, I can still be that guy maybe for another, at least, at least another two years. Right. Exactly. So I think we'll see what happens, but I think it'll all play out through, um, through the camp. It might even, might, might even play out through the preseason. Because at the end of it, it's going to be up to Rodgers. Rodgers already made his money. <laughs> so at the end of it, it's up to Rodgers, basically. Yep. So, yeah, let's move along. Um, I think the talk I think the talk of all topics right now is the Julio Joes um, <laughs> comment or the Shannon Sharp or the Shannon Sharp Skip Bayless show um, when he said <laughs> he's out of there. Um. This is interesting. Um, I know they said they tried to listen to some offers at the draft, and this has been going on for months. Um, why does Julio once out, and what teams, in your opinion, think could could get Julio? Um, I said I, I think at this point the fact that they they drafted Pitts might have been something for him that they feel, you know that Julio feels, okay, maybe you guys are going younger, you know, seeing this, the skill set that, that Pitts have. Um, from what I'm hearing, like I heard um, just recently a rumor saying that, um, I think on CBS, someone on CBS Sports uh, mentioned it, saying that uh, he, he mentioned possibly wanting to go play with Cam, you know, in New England. So, that's you know what I'm saying who knows what type of deals that they can make to to get him over there, but um, definitely, I'm saying there's a there's a couple of teams I think well not a couple of teams there's quite a few teams I think can use his services um but I would say uh, right off the bat I would first say Detroit because of you know them losing Galladay and you know having having a uh, golf over there, you know, I think Julio would be a, a great addition, you know, a veteran guy that can be a, a you know, someone for golf to rely on, you know, in the, the passing game. 
So that's definitely what I would say, at least one spot, you know, that I can see him going there and probably being productive. Yeah. Um, other, other teams, in my opinion, would be uh, the Colts. The Colts, the yep. Colts have the money. Um, <laughs> they find ways to get the money <laughs> to get guys. And it's, it's as crazy as it sounds um, with Ty Hilton. Um, he's not the same as he was before. To have a guy like Julio would definitely be a, a, num- a great choice for Carson Wentz and, and will help out Carson's game. Um, another team, for what I hear, the Romers, I heard the 49ers, and I heard the Patriots. So, the Jesus, if if he goes to the Patriots, I'm going to be mad as hell. Um, <laughs> they, for some reason, the Patriots could, make a, could, could do a trade, even if they don't have the cap room. They they could they always find ways to get these guys, and I can actually see it happening. Yeah. So it's just crazy. It's it's just crazy how I'm that guys like Julio now wants to get traded, but the you know the problem is is the caps the cap money the money, All right? And I feel like most teams don't want to pay for that. Well, with um, with his cap for this year if it was a trade uh he would go on the books for whoever gets him would be 15 mil for this year that's not bad right and that's just about what new england has i think they have just about 16 and but they have 91 players on their roster so there's definitely cuts and stuff that they can do you know to free up more money so that's it Definitely, New England might not be out of the question, even with that um fifteen million dollar price tag for the season. Yeah, so it's just it's just very interesting to see that. Um, it's it's just crazy. Um, when we know more information, we definitely will let y'all know. And the last topic is the the Sean Watson. We haven't spoke about Watson in a while. Um, the latest news is that Watson won't be disposed until early twenty uh early two thousand twenty two. And he still wants out of Houston. Um, why? Why is this case taking taking so long for Watson? Um, we would thought that it would be over by now, but it's not, and it feels like that's playing a major part in Watson getting traded. Yeah, I, I totally believe. You know, there's there's um, ulterior motives behind just the whole situation. You know, I'm not going to go out and say that you know, that there's lying being done on Watson's side about his innocence or whatever. But my my thing is just looking at it from, you know, the outside looking in and just looking at the details of it, how everything unfolded, you know, from the lawyer being friends with the former owner and that, you know, the fact that it seems to be more like of a, a character thing, you know, that they're trying to, uh, you know, paint a picture more than state facts. You know, I, I have mentioned it um, before, just the way um, some of the language was and some of the testimonies that the the ladies were given. And to me, it's very, it was very lawyerish in, in terms of terminologies you know, where you can say something to paint a picture or to insinuate something, but it'd be so generic that, you know, it leads it up to the the listening ear to kind of 
to kind of like almost imagine what they could mean instead of being very specific about you know the details. So I said I, I I'm pretty sure that this is going to be dragged on as long as possible just for the the, the sake of you know them not wanting you know Watson to to just leave and you know have his way in terms of going to another team. Yeah, and um, I never spoke on this, and if if it's true, um, prayers out to the, the victims. But you know, at the end of the day, you have TMZ, you have all social media. Um, if it was happening, you like voice voice recording video, whatever it is. I just feel like management is playing a big part in this, and I know it's hard. <laughs> for people to believe it, but it's the truth. Ever since he said he want to get traded, look what happens. <laughs> they downplaying this man, and and this sad. This is very sad. So I'm sitting here just saying I believe Watson is innocent. Maybe he did something. Who knows? But at the same time, like if it was that serious, like you could have took it to a criminal, and and you could have took it as a criminal case and not. Oh, we just want the money because y'all yeah. make it since they're making themselves look stupid. Like I said, if it's true, then you know, prayers out, my apologies. But at, at the same time, I just don't believe it. And then that's how I feel. And hopefully this Watson thing will be over by next year and he can get the team he wants. And you know, we can move on because he's a great, he's a great talent quarterback, and he deserves and he deserves to be on the team where, where he wants to go. Yeah. Yeah, but um, we'll be right back. Uh, we got our special guest, uh, Jake Hatch from um, BYU, BYU reporter slash broadcaster. He'll, he'll be talking with us about Zach Wilson. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the episode. As you know, I said last week, we're going to have a special guest. We have a special guest with us right now. Um, if y'all don't know, uh, this is Jake Hatch, uh, BYU reporter slash broadcaster. Um, how you feeling? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Blast to be with you. Yeah, thank, thank yeah, you. Thank you for joining us. Um, for anybody that don't know, that don't know you, um, can you give them a brief, like a little description of who you are? Sure. Yeah. So as you guys mentioned, my name is Jay Catch. I work for the Zone Sports Network out here in Salt Lake City. We're a sports radio station. And I just so happen to be our BYU reporter that covers the Cougars. And I've lived in Utah my entire life, been covering BYU for the better part of a decade and been covering Zach Wilson for all three years he was at uh, BYU here in Utah. So excited to talk a little bit more about him and maybe even some thoughts on Tristan Hodge as well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but my my first, basically, my first question is, basically, what what have you saw from his sophomore year, um, in two thousand nineteen? I know it, I know it looked kind of crazy because he had low numbers, and then he just came came out to be this this star in two thousand twenty, which was kind of crazy. Like, what have you saw from his um philosophy and uh his change? 
The biggest thing for Zach Wilson uh, from 2019 to 2020 was the fact that he was healthy. Uh, I think a lot, it's been pretty well chronicled at this point that during his, uh, so his sophomore year, like you mentioned, in 2019, he was coming off a shoulder surgery that pretty much stopped him from doing any really off-season workouts. He was rehabbing that entire off-season, and then midway through that year, he also broke the thumb on his throwing hand. He was out for, I believe, five weeks in all, came back, rushed back probably a little bit prematurely because he wanted to get out there and compete and just wasn't the same type of quarterback. But he healed up, uh, got to 100% during the offseason, heading into 2020, and everything that we saw this past year from BYU, really it was all kind of led by what Wilson was able to do on the field and pretty incredible, all things considered. Yeah, um, I think I agree with you. Kyle, you got any questions? Um, I would say... What would your take be on, I would say, the naysayers? Because I, I would admit in the, in the beginning, uh, I was one of them, you know, that, um, that points out his success to the fact that uh, the strength of schedule for BYU was, you know, in the lower third of the, of the college mm -hmm. ranks. If I'm not mistaken, um, the first two years um, he played, the, the strength of schedule was somewhere in the 70 range. And this, this last year, it was, if I'm not mistaken, 91st. So what would you say to people that would bring up that in terms of conversation, in terms of uh, discussing uh, his productivity? Okay, so it's absolutely a, a conversation point that absolutely needs to be discussed. But let me let me give a little background and shed a little light on this. I think they'll help explain what happened. Obviously, many of us, well, all of us, have dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic. BYU was not... Uh, was not accepted because of that. They actually had a schedule that had what was six power five teams on the schedule going into 2020. But when COVID-19 shut down all kinds of different things, especially in the college football world, BYU went from having 12 games scheduled to having two scheduled. They put together games as fast as they possibly could. And yes, they were not necessarily the best opponents in the world. So yes, there is a discussion point there that Zach Wilson did take advantage of a rather weak schedule. But the one thing I would point to if you want to see more of what he can do against quote-unquote uh, top-level competition is look back at the early part of 2019. BYU in back-to-back -back weeks went to the University of Tennessee that's an SEC team, won that game on the road. Zach Wilson was a huge uh, catalyst in that victory. Then the following week, they take on USC out of Los Angeles, and they were nationally ranked at the time, and BYU beats them in Provo on their home field. Pretty thrilling wins, and I think those two games kind of gave a glimpse of what Zach was his potential was in 2019. As I mentioned, the injuries really kind of stopped him from building on that, it felt like, later on that season. But I felt like he carried that momentum into 2020. And BYU honestly went out and absolutely dominated everybody they played that year. The best thing they probably played in 2020 was that UCF team they played in the bowl game. And to be honest, Zach Wilson probably had his finest performance of the year in that game. And he came out midway through the third quarter. It was just absolutely incredible to see what he was doing. He was at the top of his... Uh, the peak of his powers, really, really impressive. But it absolutely, there is a conversation to be had about the fact that he did feast on lesser competition. But I think if you look at the totality of his career at BYU, he did a lot of good things against some of the better teams on their schedules. Yeah, and, you know, that's that right there is, is very impressive, you know, to say because, you know, because a lot of people saying, well, he didn't play that competition. He didn't, he didn't do much. And, you know, to me, I'm like, well, 
if you watch him, he he looks like he's he's very good. <laughs> he's ready, <laughs> yeah. and and this this and it's just crazy to to hear that. But um, my next question is, what I I heard I heard that Zach Wilson had basically like done driving over the weekend to do his workouts, um, and so forth and so forth. What what have he what has he done? to 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 transfer transform his game in uh 2020 well yeah so what you're talking about is he did uh make drives to california so last year when we're all in lockdown throughout the summer uh john beck uh he's kind of becoming a bigger name in the nfl world because he trains quarterbacks down there in southern california he's a former byu quarterback himself a guy who was a former conference player of the year an nfl draft pick in his own right out of byu well he's been training quarterbacks for some time now and zach actually would drive down every weekend he drive the 10 hours from provo utah to southern california down there to work out with john beck he'd work out with him for two days drive back on Sunday, be right back in class on Monday morning. Uh, he did this for months on end. There was one point where he actually went down and stayed down there, I believe, for three weeks straight because BYU didn't have classes and whatnot. So he has made all kinds of sacrifices. And, and let's be clear about one thing on this. He was doing that on his own dime. Uh, when he was down there in California, he was staying with one of his teammates' families, but because he didn't want to be a burden on them, and they didn't, they, they told him, hey, we'll foot the bill for your food and everything, but he didn't want to be a burden on them. He actually did DoorDash. He did DoorDash deliveries at night to get some money so that he could make those trips back and forth from Utah to get the things uh, done on that front. So this is a kid who's driven, guys. I, I can tell you that much. He wears a wristband. You'll see it. You've probably already seen it in the pictures. It says, prove them wrong. He goes out every day trying to make sure that he is the best player on the field he possibly can be. And I'm telling you, he's as driven a young man as I have met in many, many years. Wow. That's very impressive. Um, Kyle, go right ahead. Um, I would say, um, based on I said, your experience of watching him and over the years, what would you say his strongest attribute is and the th one thing that you would think that he needs to improve on, you know, for him to be successful at the next level. Okay. I think they're a little tied together on this, but I think his biggest strength is his belief in himself and his ability to make plays. This is a kid. If you watch the film from 2020, he made big throw after big throw. He'd kind of wheel and deal and just make big play after big play. And we even saw that during the pro day workouts, that throw that went viral online. Uh, people know about his ability to make plays, but it's also a little bit of a curse because there were times during his time at BYU where he's scrambling around and his offensive linemen don't necessarily know where he was at and he's kind of just freelancing out there. And that's something at the NFL level, it ain't going to fly. As I've uh, said on other podcasts talking about Zach, in the NFL, he's going to have to learn that, hey, I've got one, two, three seconds, that ball's got to get out of my hand. This is the best of the best. These are the best pass rushers in the world. They have no qualms about taking your head off figuratively. And if you don't, if you if you hold on to that ball, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So I'm hopeful that he has been working on that. And I know he has been because he's talked about it. But I'm excited to see what he does at the NFL level because I think he does have that uh, playmaking ability that can really, I think, excite fans. But at the same time, he can't let it become his, his M.O. He's got to be able to make plays from the pocket, get that ball out on time, get it to the playmakers, and let them go make plays. Yeah, and I think I, I can agree to that. Um, so so just in your own opinion, um, from 2019, I'm not going to say he, 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 was, he was ready, but at huh? the time, uh, 
to 20 to do you did you expect him to make uh the, uh for Wilson to make that uh, dramatic change uh like 33 the 33 touchdowns three interceptions which is very impressive did you expect him to make that change and to be that that number two that basically the uh, second pick of, of the draft right now to be frank, no. Honestly, uh, coming out of 2019, I think many of us that cover hit, covered him out here in Utah thought, okay, he's a good quarterback. If he continues to develop, and at that point we're thinking over the next two years, yeah, there's a chance he could go to the NFL. But there was a, about midway through last year, we started seeing him make play after play. And I remember talking to one of my uh, fellow media members out here, and we were talking about the fact like, he's really, really taken a major, major step this year. Maybe this year he makes the jump to the NFL, and then shortly after that, uh, it started coming out on uh, different websites, ESPN with Mel Kiper, et cetera, that they were looking at his film and really thought he was an NFL prospect. I did not think that he would end up as the number two overall pick in the NFL draft in my heart of hearts. I thought this was a kid that, yeah, likely would get drafted in the NFL, I thought, at some point, but I thought it was probably in the 2022 draft, so next year's draft after his senior year at BYU, but I got to give him credit. He was very, very impressive last year, really showed major strides. All the work he did to improve himself paid off. And, yeah, now he's the face of the franchise out there in New York. Yeah, we're, we're very, very, very happy to, to have him <laughs> with the Jets right now. So, um, yeah, Kyle, you got any more questions? Yeah, I was going to say, because um, tying into, I guess, probably what you said earlier, um, I know when I was when I was scouting him and looking at his film, Mm -hmm. Um, I made mention to, uh, that he can definitely make all the throws, but I was skeptical about him doing it on the next level because of the type of pockets he was throwing from, you know, um, I, um, based on, I think, um, PFF's ranking in terms of college, uh, offensive lines. I know in 2019, I think BYU was the, the second, no, not second, 12th ranked line and this the past year they will work second so um my question is being that he's going to a new team with you know a rebuilding offensive line that what do you um i said what would you expect for him um under these circumstances and tying into that um how important do you think was them um bringing a guy like um tristan hodge into you know, contribute to the offensive line. Well, see, I, and I, th- I think that's actually a very good conversation because he did have a very good offensive line in front of him. They had the third-round draft pick for the Carolina Panthers, Brady Christensen at left tackle. As you mentioned, yeah. Tristan Hodge, an undrafted free agent in front of him playing now for the Jets. Chandon Herring, who's with the Tennessee Titans now, also was on that offensive line. And the two other guys that were the starters on that offensive line alongside those three, they're projected to go in next year's NFL draft. So there are a lot of guys who had a lot of talent in front of him. The one thing I am intrigued by with the Jets is they've got Mekhi Becton out there who's a left tackle and I absolutely love Mekhi Becton. I think he is just a prototypical left tackle. I think Elijah Vera Tucker, I've watched him plenty at USC. I think he will be a starting guard if not just a, a really good right tackle. I don't know where they're working him out currently. And the thing about Zach at BYU along with Tristan Hodge is they really grew up together at BYU. When Zach Wilson took over as the starting quarterback his true freshman year in 2018, That offensive line, including Tristan Hodge, that was really their first year working together. So 
they have all grown up together, these guys on this offensive line for BYU, and I kind of look at it the same way with what's going on with the Jets. Zach Wilson's coming in when, like you mentioned, they're rebuilding this offensive line, but I really do think they're going to work together, they're going to grow together. I think it's going to pay dividends for all parties because, yeah, it may not come together in 2021. I think we're all kind of looking at the Jets this year thinking, okay, they make some strides, they finish maybe close to 500, that's probably a good season in 2021 but I think as they continue to build that offensive line Mikai Becton holds down that left side Elijah Vera Tucker fits in if Tristan Hodge is part of that great it's gravy for me because I love talking to Tristan Hodge he's a great great young man but I think as they continue to grow together I think it'll be very very good for this team and yeah it's probably going to be a years-long process before the Jets truly are a contender but there's no reason to think that they can't accomplish it if they're if they're patient and let these guys really work together yeah, I, I agree to that. And what is what is uh, Tristan Hodges' uh, biggest strengths and uh, weaknesses? His biggest strength is the fact that he can uh, really work well in tandem with guys. They run a lot of outside zone at BYU. It's kind of the scheme that they run on their in their offensive line and just the offense overall. And that's some of the stuff that we'll see with the Lafleur uh, offensive coordinator. Is it is it Mike? Right, Mike's the, the offensive coordinator for the Jets. If I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Yes, yes, yeah, so Mike Lafleur. He's going to take that from the uh, from the San Francisco 49ers, also his brother Matt, who's the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And Tristan is really, really good working in that system. Uh, the way I describe him, he's absolutely fantastic working in a phone booth. And what I mean by that is it, when you're a guard, you're working head up on a guy, and you've got to beat him one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's Tristan's chief strength when he's 100% is his ability to really uh, thrive both in tandem with guys but also in one-on-one -on -one situations. The biggest issues for for Tristan is he's not the biggest guy in the world. They list him, I believe, at six foot two, three hundred pounds. Uh, he really struggled to keep that weight on at points during his time at BYU. He's just not a, he's not a naturally big dude, if that makes sense. His frame's not expansive, but he he carries the weight well. The other issue has been his health. He's dealt with COVID issues during his time at BYU that knocked him out for four games last year. He also had a knee injury the previous year that knocked him out for the majority of the year. So. When he's healthy, he's a very, very good football player. The problem has been he's not been on the field consistently for long stretches over the past two years there in Provo. Would have been nice to see him in more uh, stretches, but if he can get right, if he's 100%, there's no reason, in my opinion, that the Jets won't at least keep him on the practice squad and can continue to develop him. Wow. That's, that's very impressive. Um, Kyle, go right ahead. Um. Uh, I think um, I think I'm out of questions. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, the, the final hey final question before okay. before we let you go because you, we know that you got to do the uh, Utah da uh, Jazz game in the few. Um, what what could what could Jets fans expect from Zach Wilson and Tristan Hodges? I think the biggest thing you can expect from them is they're going to give their all. This The guys that uh, come from BYU, it's, it's a program that's an independent program. They don't have a conference to call home, but they take a lot of pride in playing for BYU, and I think they'll carry that pride over to playing for the Jets. Uh, Zach, in his heart of hearts, believes he can be a great in the NFL, and I mean that sincerely. His uh, self-confidence at times rubs people the wrong way because they, they kind of see it as him being cocky. I think it serves him well. He really believes when he steps on the field that he is among the best, if not the best player on the field. And I think Tristan Hodge has a similar thought process. And 
in my experience with the NFL, I mainly cover college football out here, but in my experience with the NFL, you've got to have that self-belief or else you're not going to thrive at that level. It will chew you up and spit you out. And I think that those two guys are going to show Jets fans, they're going to give them everything they can get. I, I know that Tristan faces longer odds to make the roster as an undrafted free agent, but like I mentioned, if he makes the practice squad, I think that's a, it's a major accomplishment. As you guys might recall, last year they had two other former, actually three former Cougars on the squad uh, for the Jets, Harvey Longy, as well as the Kafusi brothers, both Bronson and, De- uh, Bronson and Corbin Kafusi. They've all since moved on to other teams. But I think the Jets fans can kind of expect the same effort that guys like Harvey Long have showed in recent years coming out of BYU. They're just guys who work hard. They're no-nonsense dudes. They just want to play the game that they love, and they just love the fact that they're playing in the NFL. So I'm excited to see them. I'll be obviously watching plenty of Jets games this year, more than I probably ever have in my entire life as a guy who lives on the West Coast. I'm a, I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan, just to be clear up front with you guys. But Oh, man. <laughs> I, hey, by the way, Robert Sala, I am very excited to see him as a head coach of the Jets. I think he's going to do great things there. I really, really like him as a coach, but I'm super excited to see what the Jets do. I think this is they're the, kind of the start of something really cool. And if everything goes according to plan, guys, I really think the Jets could be a really, really good team here in the next two to three years. And that's what we'll be hoping for, too, because a lot of Jets fans are upset about rebuilding. And, yeah. they, you know, they a lot of them complain about rebuilding since Joe Namath and, sure. you know, and so forth and so forth. So we hoping this this is the right this is the right one. But we thank you so much for joining us, Jake. Yeah. Um, if you want, you can give them your Twitter, your Twitter feed and let them know. Uh, let the let the fans know uh, where they can find you. Yeah, so if you guys want more of my stuff on BYU, players, coaches, one, and I have plenty of interviews that we do on it, uh, you can follow us Locked on Cougars. Uh, real simple to find. We're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the same handle there. My personal Twitter feed, if you want to follow me there, is Jacob C. Hatch. Has a lot of my work with my radio station in addition to what I do with BYU and everything. So thanks for having me, guys, and th- feel free to reach out anytime. I'd be happy to join you anytime. Yeah, thank you so much. We're definitely going to have you on soon, soon as soon, soon as we can. So <laughs> thank no you doubt. so much for joining us. Happy to do it, guys. All right. Yeah, so that's it for our podcast. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Just Fans Podcast. Every week we do this for y'all. Until next time, take a part. Take a part.